0: It's lovely to welcome Thomas and Joe from the Salvation Army. In a moment, Thomas is going to come and share God's word with us. And after that, Joe is going to pray as well for us. But please, let's pray for you first before you come and share God's word. Oh Lord, we give thanks to you for the amazing work of the Salvation Army. And we give thanks to Thomas and Joe and for their ministry in this town as well. And so we pray blessing upon them both as your word is shared. Amen. Well, firstly, thank you very much to Kai and to everyone for the invitation to to be here tonight. It's wonderful to see so many people here with such lovely weather and such lovely ice cream out on the prom, and you've chosen to be here, so thank you very much. (laughs) But I want to start by asking a question, and the question is this. How many salvationists does it take to change a light bulb? How many salvationists does it take to change a light bulb? Now, there are some people from the Salvation Army here tonight, and not just me and Joe. You might think it's one, and that's one to change the light bulb itself, but you'd be wrong in thinking that. You'd need at least a committee of six to decide what light bulb it is we're going to put in. Five to reminisce about how light bulbs were better back in the old days. Twenty people to form a brass band to march the light bulb to its new place. One to carry the flag. Three people to pray for the new light bulb. And at least one to lead the singing. And perhaps one to even say that actually we don't need light bulbs because Jesus is the light of the world. There's always one, isn't there? Of course, that's something of a stereotype about the Salvation Army. The Salvation Army isn't just all brass bands and timbrels, I can assure you of that. And that sort of joke is one that you can adapt to any denomination, I am sure. That's not necessarily an invitation tonight to do that, though. But it raises an important question as to how do we as individuals and how do we as a church cope with change? How do we cope with change? Because Pentecost was a moment of change, a huge moment of change for those people gathered in the upper room. It wasn't just a little tweak here or a little tweak there. It was the kind of change that needed a huge change and the huge working of the Spirit. Some people love change don't know what you are like, but some people love change. They just get bored looking at the same things and doing the same things over and over again. Some people really, really don't like change at all. They just do the same things in the same order. And to a point, that's, that's all right. That's all right. A lot of people say they want change, but actually when it comes to change, they don't like it at all. If you don't believe me, I challenge you to go back to your church, or, or maybe talk to somebody like Kai after the service today, and suggest rearranging the seating in St. Mike's. <laughs> you'll then know exactly what I mean, and if you want to take it a step further, maybe suggest changing the seats altogether, and then you'll know exactly what, what some people's reactions are to change. And, of course, these are extremes and they're stereotypes. But change evokes a number of reactions in us. Exhilaration, fear of the unknown, a sense of refreshment, or maybe a sense of frustration that this change should have happened weeks, months, or even years ago. And the story of Pentecost provides us with some questions for us today. Firstly, how did God's Spirit help a perplexed and traumatized group of people? Some would have loved to change, some undoubtedly would have not liked to change at all. How did God's Spirit help them step into this new life in the Spirit? And how does the Spirit help us journey through change today? Central to Pentecost is the truth that God is a gift. He is the gift of creation. The gift of Jesus in his death and resurrection. And now the gift of God in the Holy Spirit. God is constantly giving to us. The Holy Spirit, though, isn't a goodie bag of gifts and powers The Holy Spirit is the very Spirit of Jesus Christ poured into every single one of us. In Romans chapter 8, Paul writes, If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. In other words, without the Spirit, there is no Christian. And there's no Christian without the Holy Spirit. Amidst the crisis and the change, the disciples sat in a room and felt a wind begin to blow on them. When change happens, whether it's welcome or whether it's forced upon us, God shows up bringing these gifts, providing all that we need, and renewing us in the comforting, strengthening presence of the Holy Spirit. However uncertain those disciples felt about the changes which life had brought them, they all burst out of that upper room with joy and exhilaration. Frightened people suddenly became bold in Christ. Exuberant and very, very talkative. When we let the Spirit work in us, Even in the most change adverse amongst us, we can face those changes with courage and with joy. Because where God calls us to go, God also accompanies us. The Spirit sees where we've come from, knows where we are, and certainly knows where we're going. It's comforting to realize that even though we may not know the way that we're going, the Spirit does, and the Spirit is with us every single step of the way. On that first Pentecost, people spoke in languages that they'd never learned before. Peter, who had, as many of you remember, denied Jesus three times stood up and preached a sermon that saw 3,000 people converted. I think I'd be a little bit frightened if I stood up to do a sermon one week and 3,000 people suddenly came to Jesus. It'd be wonderful, but quite frightening at the same time. But when the Spirit calls us to go out into the unknown, joy breaks out, and the things we thought impossible become possible in a way that we could not have imagined before. All that God needs is us to say yes to him. We just need to say yes to him. Saying yes to Jesus is the sticking point for many, many people. When writing to his convert, Timothy, Paul wrote to him saying, rekindle the gift of God that is within you. For God did not give us the spirit of cowardice, but rather a spirit of power and of love and self-discipline. The gift may be from God, but it's up to us to do something about it what if you're not sure or I'm scared became yes and amen? How would that change you? How would that change the church that you go to? It's also worth remembering that Pentecost wasn't just a new day for a favoured few people. It was a new day for everybody everywhere. The tongues of fire landed on everyone in that upper room. And Peter reminded the crowds that God had promised to pour out his spirit on all people. That all people we find in Acts chapter 2 includes us and includes us today because in case anybody hadn't quite understood the all people part Peter makes it nice and clear for us women and men young and old maid servants and men servants there might be terms that we don't use today but he's making it very clear it's for everybody I don't know what it's like for you in your church or in your denomination. But for some people, they see it as the minister's job to speak to God and then let everybody know what God says. But when we think of Pentecost, when we think of the Holy Spirit today, the new thing that God is doing isn't brought into being by an elite group of people who might have a little white thing on their neck or who might have shiny little things on their shoulders it isn't limited to archbishops or the pope or presidents or superintendents or the general of the salvation army or any other titles that these people might go by It's not limited to people who have been to Bible college or who've served in the church for so long that they're considered part of the furniture. The Spirit can and does come to everyone. The Spirit can come to everyone. It belongs to everyone and isn't complete until it's heard everyone's voice. When God breathes a new day into being, the spirit speaks through all sorts of people. We all get given that little piece of the jigsaw and we all matter. But we also have to ask the question, why didn't Pentecost happen to each of those disciples in the comfort of their own home? Is it because we deal better with change when we're together? When we're working together, supporting each other, listening to one another and committing to journeying together into the new day? Persecution and political upheaval would eventually scatter the church to the four corners of the earth But first, the Spirit knits them together into a community where everyone has their place. I wonder what change you're journeying through at the moment. Maybe it's something in your personal life. Maybe it's something in your work. Maybe like us in the Salvation Army here in Aberystwyth, your church itself is going through something of a change. But do you need that burst of Pentecost joy? Do you find yourself at the moment somewhere that's a little bit more fearful than joyful? Sometimes joy comes when we let go and trust in God. What might you need to let go of today? How can you give God your yes and amen today? Because if God is speaking through all of us, how can we get better at listening to each other? Which voices are we not hearing in the conversation at the moment? Is God knitting your church together into a closer community at the moment? Or are there tensions? I wonder what change your church is facing at the moment. But I wonder how we might support one another as the Spirit guides us through. Commissioner Samuel Logan Brengel was one of the Salvation Army's great holiness teachers. And he once wrote that when the Spirit finds his way into the heart of a man, the Spirit, as Jesus, has come to that man and leads him to the same meekness of heart and lowly service that we see in the Master Brengel then goes on to explain the visible change in a person who is filled with the Holy Spirit, saying that ambition for place and power and money and fame vanishes, and in its place is a consuming desire to be good and to do good, to accomplish in the full, the blessed beneficent will of god whatever change we might desire for ourselves for our friends and for our family or indeed our church let's be bold and let's be confident in the words that william booth the founder of the salvation army wrote as he celebrated 50 years of being a Christian, he wrote these words. And I hope these are the words that you can say today. William Booth wrote, Thou Christ, a burning, cleansing flame, send the fire. Thy blood brought gift, today we claim, send the fire. Look down and see this waiting host. Give us the promised Holy Ghost because we want another Pentecost. Send the fire.